When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to a mega crossover of three of the best Pittsburgh Penguins podcasts out there. Well, technically one of them just covers all Pittsburgh sports. So if you like all of them, go check out Around the 412 because Zach Smitty Smith is joining us here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. Smitty, how you doing, buddy? What's going on, boys? You know I always love joining you. Appreciate the shout-out, of course, to Around the 412. Shout-out to Tyler, who's not here with us, but can't wait to be recording with you and talking about this series. Uh, Pens up 3-1. What more can I say? Hey, it's a great time to be a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. It's a great time to talk Pittsburgh Penguins. And if we're going to talk Pittsburgh Penguins, you know we're going to bring on one of the biggest superstars in hockey podcasts, period. Number five on the U.S. charts right now. Welcome on Hunter Hodes of the Locked On Penguins podcast. What's up, Hunter? How you guys doing? You know, as Smitty said, you know, I'm always down to come on your show. You know, thank you, obviously, for the shout out. I have no idea how the show is crushing numbers like that. I never thought that would ever be the case. But, um, yeah, it's been a great series so far, and the Penguins got a pretty big opportunity in front of them tonight. Well, we welcome both of you on, of course. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined, as always, by Nick Horwat of the Tip of the Iceberg. And let's get right down into it, because Game 4, Hunter, both me and you said... We're not sure what to expect in Game 4. I guaranteed on our show a great performance by Igor Shosturkin. I'll stop talking now because it's not what happened. But, like, a 7-2 to win, a 5-goal second period. What are your thoughts? We'll start with Hunter on that Game 4 win. I mean, it was very shocking. I mean, I agree. I thought Shosturkin was going to go back to his usual self. I thought the Igor chains were going to go away. And then that happened. And it looked like they broke them. For a couple of games, even though I honestly really can't blame him for their problems. They, they defense is basically optional for that team those last two games. But the Penguins, they they took advantage of it. You know, everything they did wrong in the regular season against this team, they're doing right. They're getting traffic in front of him, they're redirecting pucks, they're making it hard for him to actually see where the puck is coming from. In the regular season, they tried to pass their way into goals. That's not going to work because he will stop those every single time penguins also took away the rangers offense which is just you know that was a big issue coming into this series as well the rangers they run a rush based offense they try to kill you in transition the transition excuse me they try to get you with the odd man numbers odd man rushes excuse me and the penguins 
to their credit, you know, they, they boxed out the, the net front area to make it easier for Louis Domingue. And they have to do that one more time tonight. If you can do, be, have an urgent team tonight and win this game, you are going to get your number one goalie back next week with how he's already back on the ice. You won't need to rush him back for game six, which is, you know, that's that's what I've heard from a couple people, but I don't really know if he's going to be back in time. Um, that, that would be a nice bonus, though. But they just – they blitzed them after those first 10 minutes. Rangers came out, played well. Penguins tied it. And then I think the Rangers were basically just like, oh, no, here we go again. It's happening. And they just – they stopped playing. And – that's honestly the kind of loss where a team potentially doesn't even bother to show up the next game. But, you know, the Rangers, they have pride. I don't think that's going to happen. Madison Square Garden is going to be pretty raucous tonight for a lot of reasons. And the, the, the elimination game is the hardest to win. They're, they're going to come out and I think play better tonight. And it's up, the Pengu- it's up to the Penguins to make sure they match that level, if not get a level higher. For sure. Those guys are, the Penguins are going to have to combat anything that the uh, Rangers throw at them, whether it be from on the ice or off the ice, because that crowd's going to try and basically clap back to what the what the Penguins crowd has done for the last two games, to the point where the you can tell your fan base is back into it when PNC Park is chanting Igor at the Dodgers. It's a completely different ball game this year for the Penguins fans, and they're into it. They're back, it seems, because sure they didn't have the full capacity crowd in the Islanders series, but even then there was just a weird stink going around uh, the Penguins fan base that uh, no one felt like they could get it done because of the previous two years. This year, with I just stupidly, with a third-string goalie, this fan base has ridden off of a meme and just is riding it into what could be a phenomenal story for Louis Domingue and getting out of the first round. This crowd is into it, and that's, the, that's a big thing to have back, so the Penguins are going to have to fend off what uh, Rangers fans you know, could be trying to get at tonight because it's MSG. You're not going to find an easy game in Madison Square Garden. Uh, and the fans are going to play a big role in that. And the Rangers just have to answer back. Yeah, uh, Nick Berlanski, I, you started off by saying that you don't know if you should say anything else after saying that you thought Shostak was going to have a great performance. Hey, I don't know that. if I should say anything, period, because I thought the same thing. I thought Shostak was going to steal the show in game four. Um, but I want to turn my attention to something that's not being talked about enough, especially when we want to, you know, kind of talk about the way the Penguins are doing things differently in terms of getting to the front of the net, tipping pucks, making things ugly, and getting in front of Shostakovich. I think a big part of that, too, starts immediately off the way that they've dominated the face-off circle. I mean, the worst percentage that they've had in any of these games is 52.9% in game one. Uh, they've absolutely dominated it in th- games three and four in Pittsburgh. And I think that when you win those offensive zone draws, especially as cleanly as they have, you set that play up immediately, you get the shot from the point, and we've seen a lot of redirections go behind Shesterkin in this series, especially these last couple games. Um, but Teddy Bluger has been an absolute menace in the face-off circle. Uh, Jeff Carter, for as much as he's not doing in the defensive zone, he is winning a lot of faceoffs. Um, so I, I got to give him credit there. But this series has not gone the way that I expected it to it on the outset. I mean, I'll be honest about it. I, I predicted Rangers in seven. Tyler predicted Rangers in six on our show. Um, I got to give the Penguins keep a ton of credit. Going. Keep that energy going. <laughs> they're going to win it, please. I, I I've, uh, I, I, I've completely flipped my mind. I'm sorry, Hunter. So uh, <laughs> for better or worse for the Penguins. But, uh, you know, they're doing everything 
right in this series, in my opinion, like Hunter said, that, that they didn't do in the regular season. And what is the reasoning for that? Is it just them flipping a switch? Is it them maybe taking the regular season a little lightly, being that they were already in a playoff spot for like the last two months of the season? I don't know what it is, but this is a completely different team. They're playing Sullivan's system again with that forechecking to a T. It's funny because you look back at game one and the first period of game one was everything that we saw in the last two weeks of the regular season. And everybody, including all four of us, were like, oh boy, this is going to be rough. Like, we're not sure what's going to happen. And then from that second period on, the Penguins have dominated the face-off circle, every facet of the game against the New York Islanders, or sorry, New York Rangers. And that's why the Penguins have a three to one series lead right now. And I think the big thing is, like you said, Smitty, the face-off dot plays into a larger factor, and that's insulating Louis Domingue. You win those face-offs, you only limit maybe one or two shots every single time the Rangers get into the zone, and Domingue is able to do that. It's whenever you allow the Rangers to get three, four, five opportunities that they usually take advantage, and they did in the regular season, but the Pittsburgh Penguins have done a really good job of not just limiting the amount of shots that Domingue has faced, but making sure those shots are from the point with nobody in front of the net or outside of the dots with nobody there to pick up the garbage goals. And I think Domingue has also done a really good job of swallowing pucks whole and freezing pucks, knowing that the Penguins have that face-off confidence, as you mentioned. Yeah, I do want to mention, too, you mentioned the beginning of Game 1 and how it looked very similar to the regular season. And with the way that Gallant talked about the performance of Game 4, I mean, he threw the word soft around four times in his post-game press conference. I think that we're going to see them try to start out similarly tonight as to how they did in Game 1. We might see Ryan Reeves line start this game, honestly, with the way that he talked about this. And, you know, I'm kind of hoping that that's the case because the one game that Shesterkin was lights out was that game one, despite the Penguins winning. He was fantastic in that game. And I think that, you know, he kind of had to steal the show for that to be the case because of all the Penguins pressure, especially in that second period. So if the Rangers want to come out like that again and throw their bodies around and tire themselves out in the first 20 minutes to not be able to play the final 40 minutes, I mean, be my guest. You know, that's that sounds like what Gallant wants them to do with as many times as he was throwing the word soft around. Mm-hmm. It was very Michelle Terrian like uh, when he yeah. was just roasting the team. Ooh, we've got back in 2008, I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. And they have the Maxime Talbot kind of thing. But yeah, I mean, again, I, I really do think the Rangers are going to come out. You know, their backs are against the wall. This is, it's the hardest game to win. Um, you know, I, I do have to say the Penguins so far in this series have done a tremendous job on the Rangers' big ticket guys. You know, Adam Fox. He has a 32% expected goals for percentage in this series. He just won the Norris last year. They are making life a living hell on him. Chris Kreider, yeah, he's gotten his. He has two goals. Frank Vetrano, he's Jordan Eberle at this point against the Penguins. Um, but, you know, Artemi Panarin, he has one goal in four games. You know, Andrew Kopp, he's had a couple goals. But Mika Zabinajad is basically – Sid is just taking his lunch when Gallant matches that line – um, I think another talking point, you know, when I think about it now, Mike Sullivan has taken Gallant's lunch money, has spent it, and has doesn't even decide to pay him back. Basically, he is he has absolutely outclassed him in every way possible in this series. And if the Penguins do hold on to win this series, whether it's tonight, Friday, God forbid, Sunday, I don't need to see a game seven in this series. Um, I think that should be a bigger talking point than someone making it out to be because, though. Know, Sully has done a fantastic job with the defense in front of the goaltender, you know, making sure that the defense are back when the Rangers are trying to hurt you in transition, the tactics in front of Shostorkin to get pucks behind him. 
It's everything he has touched has been a masterclass. And, you know, the Rangers don't want to change their lines. They want to, they want to run gassers the day before an elimination game, which is hilarious in itself, you know, um, you know, but, but let, let them, you know, it's, it's whatever to me. Um, Penguins have a great opportunity for them tonight, and they're one win away from potentially a second round matchup with Carolina. I'm not going to get it far that far ahead, though. So, <laughs> yeah, Hunter, real quick, I want to mention you mentioned uh, DK wrote a piece about this after the first two games and why obviously getting a split in New York was great, but yes. like even deeper than that, what you just mentioned the fact that Gallant has no interest in trying to match up lines, he's just going to play his four lines, he doesn't care who's out on the ice. And Sullivan can take him to school that way because when you get back in Pittsburgh, we saw what happened in games three and four when Sullivan can put out whatever lines when you do get last change. And that obviously has been uh, a big storyline that played out exactly the way that we all thought that it would after watching those first two games. Yeah. And, you know, they don't, I don't think Gallant cares what line he has out against Cindy Crosby. I, I think he knows he, he's going to lose that battle with how Sid is playing like he's 24 right now and not some 35 year old bum that he, that he should be right now. But I mean, the fact that, again, he didn't even bother to change the lines after that <clears throat> drumming drumming that they got in game four is, I don't know if he's accepted his fate. I don't know if he wants to go down with his ship. Um, you know, it's definitely a little weird to say the least, but, you know, maybe, maybe he does change something up tonight for this series. Who, who does he put out against the Crosby line, which had a 90% expected goals rate in that game? I, I, don't, think, I've, I don't think that's ever been seen before. And on natural saturate, evolving wild, um, n- none of those sites. It was just a ridiculous performance, to say the least. Yeah, that's that's Sid on a mission this playoffs. That's all it is. He's on another level. He's he's tired of this. I think. I, I really. He knows it's probably potentially the last yeah. run of the big three, and he's probably. I mean, the wrist sur- the wrist surgery. I think could have done a lot of wonders. He's been banged up. I think the last couple of years, he is willing them to wins. He he, he wants this one bad. They had. They need to win one more game with a third string goaltender, and he's going to do. I think whatever it takes to um, to do it. You know, if, if the Rangers do lose the series and it happens tonight, you know, maybe people start calling them the Toronto Maple Leafs light for losing to a freaking journeyman goaltender, which is just insane to me. But um, you know, that, that's why the games are played, though. So yeah, I mean, even in the loss, Crosby was all over the place. He's the one driving play for the Penguins. He. He's definitely sick of losing. But if you look, especially looking at his numbers from the last three playoffs, they're not good to the point where people were saying, has he just lost his uh, ability to play in the postseason? Well, now that you mentioned his wrist, wrist surgery, he's healthy again. It could be the last run for the core, and he's well aware of it. I mean, once I mean, people are asking him about it in pressers. He's well aware that this could be it because we don't know what the summer holds. He's going to do everything in his power to win games. And when it's Sidney Crosby, the one that's taking over like that, forget it. Connor McDavid couldn't hold that kind of candle to him because, I mean, we just saw last night, Connor McDavid had every chance to close out a game in, a, in overtime in front of his own ice or his own crowd. Couldn't do it. So Sidney Crosby is going to be the one that carries this team out of the first round just because he's like a house of fire. He wants this more than anything. Not And not that Domingue has been bad, but... I mean, he's making the right saves, making the good saves. But let's just be honest, he looks wild in net sometimes, too. Like it's He looks like a deck hockey goalie sometimes with those two-handed blocker saves. It's wild. Yeah, yeah. I think he's also lucky he's as big as he is. If he were a smaller goaltender, he wouldn't be able to get away with a lot of the stuff as far as like his uh, habits and, and the way that he tends goal. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he gets away with a lot because of his size. 
We hope you're enjoying this special crossover episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, the Locked on Penguins podcast, and Around the 412. We're going to continue to talk about Penguins versus Rangers, Game 5, coming up tonight. But before we do that, a quick word from our sponsors. What's going on, hockey fans? The pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter the outcome. Whether they win or lose, you're a winner. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more, it's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Make sure to use promo code THPN and bet just $5 on any NHL team to win to get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Just to go back to Sidney Crosby really quickly, you mentioned the fact that in those pressers, he's been asked those questions. And I think the biggest thing is, it's not that he shies away from those answers either. He doesn't say, well, I'm focused on the game right now. He says, yeah, this this could potentially be it. Like, I'm willing to admit that I have no idea what's going to happen. So his honesty in that also shows that he cares a lot about this and he's not going to just sit there, shut up and play hockey. He's going to say, you know what? This means a lot to me and let everybody know that. And he's shown it so far. Nine points in four games this series. We talked before the series started that he was nine points away from 200 on his career. And... Both uh, both of us, Horwat went out on a limb and he was like, yeah, they're going to have to get to the second round for that to happen. I was like, I don't know, maybe 10-point series. He did it in 2018 with Gensel, and all of a sudden, he did it in four games. He's one behind Yager for fifth all-time. Just We've talked about it ad nauseum already, and I mean, if I'm Gerard Gallant, there's not much you can do to cover him. I'd probably try to match up the kid line, because that's been their best line, and at least their speed could cause some issues. But other than that, there's not much that he can do what have you guys made, besides of what we've already said, of Sidney Crosby's ability to not just play well, but to take over this series, even without the points, just able to do it defensively as well? I'm glad that you mentioned the defensive part of it, because that's where I wanted to take it. Like, how many superstars get deployed in the last couple minutes of a one-goal game the way that Sidney Crosby does? Because yeah. you can trust him to be in that situation. Like, it's rare to have a superstar that obviously does what he does on the offensive side of the ice. He mentioned how many points he has already in just the four games in the series. But it's another thing to have that superstar be able to be deployed for a defensive zone draw when you're up by one goal and need to hold off the other team. Um, I, I don't think that there's many players, if any other players, may, maybe like Patrice Bergeron is the other one that comes to mind because of you know how good of a two-way player he is in Boston. But there's so very few guys that are in that category. And for him to be you know basically a shutdown center at 35 years old, despite what he also does on the offensive side, um, it's just a, a tribute to his work ethic and the way that his game has just aged beautifully and he, he just continues to adapt. 
Yeah, he's been doing the Lord's work against the Kreider <laughs> as a Benedjad of a Toronto line. I mean, it's 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 nuts that that Mika so far, knock on wood, has been such a non-factor um, in this series. You know, he's a 80, 85 point player, almost a 90 point player, has a, making a, a lot of money. Um, Sid has done a great job against him. You know, again, everyone defensively, I think, has done a really nice job. I think that, you know, that's been the main reason the Penguins are, are up right now outside of the Crosby line is that, you know, they've been able to play well in their own zone. And, you know, when the Rangers try to attack them and try to get a cycle going, there's really not much there. I mean, that that's the end of the day. You know, they, they, they're getting bodies in front of Domingue to make sure that he's not seeing, that make sure that you know, the puck is not getting to him, excuse me. And when the puck does get to him, you know, he, he's smothering it, you know, I know he's looked a bit shaky at times. He, you know, the first goal in game four, that's definitely a save that I think an NHL goalie should make. You know, he's had a barely a 900 save percentage, but they're still winning despite that because Igor Shostakovich has not has looked human for a change. And the Rangers' defense has also been really freaking bad. Patrick Nemeth is basically their Jack Johnson at this point. <laughs> Dustin Braun is almost as bad. Um, Adam Fox has not had a good series. Ryan Lindgren, I think, has definitely been a massive injury for their defense. It's just it has not been the same since he went out. I think that's more, been one of the biggest mismatches in this series, um, honestly, is that their defense has not been good. Their ozone, their defensive zone coverage has stunk. Yeah, the Penguins' uh, defensive zone coverage has mainly been really good. And, you know, it's it's been due to players that had bad regular seasons. You know, I probably lost track of how many times I've loved what I've seen from John Marino this postseason. This is Rookie level God mode, I think, for Marino. Eighty percent of the expected goals at five v five. Marcus Pedersen's in the top ten among all defensemen in that category. Like, I don't know when these two players turned into Crystal Tang Light or something, but I mean, what what a perfect time to do it. It's it's pretty crazy, you know. The one thing I will say, you know, they they gotta hopefully get Brian Dumoulin back here at some point because I can't watch Mike Matheson on the top pairing for too much longer. It's uh, it's it's bad. It's it's he, yeah, Hunter. It's interesting that you mentioned about uh, Marino and Pedersen along with the Latang Matheson mm. pairing because I've been advocating not that we would see it, but if Matheson and Latang are going to play together, I've been ad- advocating for Marino and Pedersen to operate as that top defensive pairing because of that. Um, I, I don't think that we're going to see it. I think the best, obviously, best case scenario is Brian Dumoulin comes back. And you see a, a healthier version of him, and he allows Chris Letang to play the best version of Chris Letang hockey. Um, but yeah, I, I've been saying since we've seen Matheson and Letang put together that Marino and Pedersen need to operate as the top defensive pairing. Not that we're going to see it though. No, if you can't take those thirty minutes a uh, thirty minutes a night away from Letang, man, you just can't. <clears throat> I mean, there's I know one person on Twitter that would love yeah, to there, see well, that. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. certainly one. Person. <laughs> I'm just going to chronicle that in my ledger right real quick. But um, no, nonetheless, like you guys mentioned, John Marino and also the importance of Brian Dumlin. If you take away game four, because that is so skewed because of how much the Penguins started in the offensive zone. The big thing is, too, Marino and, and Pedersen have been getting the bulk of the defensive starts for the Pittsburgh Penguins. They've really tried to make sure that Latang and Matheson, every time they start a shift, they're starting in the offensive zone, which is putting more pressure on Marino and Pedersen, which to me makes it all that much more impressive that they are getting 80% of the expected goals because they're always starting in the back end. And it's doing the same thing to uh, Mark Friedman and Chad Ruweedle, who I think have quietly been able to be a steady force out there to get the top four a nice little blow because every time they've been on the ice, they've been doing a pretty good job as well. So the Penguins defensive unit has been 
similar to what they were early in the season when there was no Crosby, when there was no Malkin, even when there was no Gensel in the opener against the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're doing a good job of not just doing it on the blue line, but the forwards are doing a great job of supporting them on the forecheck and then also getting back into the zone to push everybody to the outside. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, you're 100% right. And again, it all comes back to, you know, Mike Sullivan just changing up his tactics a little bit for this series. He saw what didn't work in those four regular season games where, let's face it, the Penguins got bullied by the Rangers. And there's there's no question about it. You know, they, you know, for God's sake, he was waving goodbye to Mark Freeman and the team. Yes, I have that in my back pocket. If they, yep. if they do decide to win this series, probably insufferable. If the Penguins close us out one of these next three games, and I'm sure everyone else will too. Um, but you know, I don't want to see that gift until there are zeros on the clock. Um, but you know, again, in all seriousness, credit to Sully, changed up his tactics got the team to actually start shooting it from anywhere on the ice that the shot totals um, compared to the regular season, he's seeing 40 plus a night. Now I don't even think he saw 40 a game in any of those four regular season games. Mm-hmm. And this is his, this is his first test t- taste of the Stanley cup playoffs. You know, yeah, it's, it's funny. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and compare the guy to Henry Lundquist, who's probably one, the best goaltender of this generation, but he also stunk in his first playoffs too. And then, you know, he obviously had a pretty good run. He didn't win a championship, but you know, maybe the same thing happens with him, but you know, it's just, I I can't credit Mike Sullivan and his staff enough for putting a game plan together. That's working. And then that's going to work and then seeing it actually work on the ice. And now they're one, they're 60 minutes away from a, four games to one series win and you know and that, that's another big talk i was listening to you know i was listening to dk's daily shot i it's one of my v- very good morning uh listens and he said this morning that i forgot about this they when in the penguins championship runs they always have one short series where they need to relax their legs this needs to be that one because if they win it again you're probably looking at playing carolina in round two and that's a team that also gave the penguins a lot of fits this season you know you have to have your your legs refreshed for that and just for the playoffs as a whole you can't it's very hard to win a championship when you have numerous six to seven game series so the penguins have a great opportunity in front of them tonight um you know 2016 they took out the rangers in five games 2017 they took out the jackets in five games you want to win a championship you got to have a short series and i hopefully hopefully that's in the back of their minds tonight you could take that short series thing all the way back. 2009, they swept the Carolina Hurricanes on the way to the finals. Uh, 92, I mean, they won eight straight, so there's a couple of – or nine straight or whatever it was. Uh, there's a couple of short series there, uh, and I'm escaping on 91. But still, you could take that theory all the way back if you needed to. In 2008, to. they lost two games on the way to the final against probably the best team of the salary cap era. So, yeah. And I know they lost, but they only lost two games going leading up to it. Yeah, so it's you do or you are you are going to need a short series in each one, and for Igor, this could be for Igor in net because this is his first taste of playoff hockey. I was talking about this with Berlanti on our last episode. That was his his game three in Pittsburgh was his first time playing against an away crowd in the playoffs. Period, because his one appearance before was in the bubble, no crowd. So right immediately, I know it, it doesn't mean much, but that Igor chant as puck drops, not before he gives up a goal, but as puck drops on the game, that's going to get in your head. And honestly, he has to have a strong mentality for him to get pulled for a second game in a row and still sit on the bench for 30 straight minutes, just getting taunted the entire time. 
which honestly good for the people sitting around him because I would have done the same damn thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, switch from Igor to we want Igor. They wanted him back in that instead of Gordiev. So incredible I, stuff from the. I hope that I hope that doesn't go against him tonight if he like, plays God mode again. <laughs> Just please don't. Well, here's the thing with Igor too. It, it's funny that immediately after the game, Gerard Gallant's like, "Yeah, Igor's our starter for Game Five, which I, I get the confidence because the guy is going to be the Vesna Trophy winner, yeah. but. I have this feeling, and I don't think it's going to happen because I think the Rangers, as you guys have mentioned already, are going to come out so good and so prepared in that first 10 minutes especially that it's probably going to get him some momentum and he's not going to be easy to beat tonight. But if he does get beaten twice early, I think he, he's got the pull. I, I think his leash is very short tonight because even though Gallant has shown a lot of confidence in him, it's back against the wall and Gorgiev has been really good in relief. So if they go down by two goals early, I could see Igor getting the pool tonight. Give me that Brock McGinn first couple minutes goal like we had in game three. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. Or capping it. If that same goal happens, just inject the takes of the Madison Square Garden crown into (laughs) my veins, please. Yeah, are we sure that that puck crossed the line? Yeah. uh, I didn't see it. I'm done with this series. I just want this to end. I am so tired of all the complaining about the officiating on social media. It is just a... Are they new here? Like, first time? Like... Well, I mean, it's New York, man. They have, they have the Mets. They haven't done anything since I was 10. The Yankees haven't won a championship since 2009. The Giants stink. The Jets stink. Like... The Knicks... You know, cool. they're, they're, a little, it's, they're a little new here, but, you know, at least the Islanders, you know, their, their, their rival team has actually had some good years before they decided. Yeah, at least they got a really good head cut. Co- oh, wait, never mind. Ah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, Hunter. You need to show me one frame where that puck is over the net, and that's where I'll end that portion <laughs> right there. Just one frame. Well, you know, wait, what, what is wild is I guess that they never even showed that. They didn't show that on MSG until mm-hmm. well after. I saw yeah, someone tweet that. Uh, yeah, I guess I can kind of get it, but like, what is yeah. MSG doing there? Like, I understand. I kind of get it because it is the Penguins' home ice, so they probably have certain cameras that are that are set up that the road away team doesn't have access to. Like, because I know that happens at PNC Park. I noticed a long time ago when I was watching Pirates games at home. I'm like, why are the camera angles so much better at PNC Park? I'm like, oh, I guess because the home feed has access to all of them. Also, I just want to say, uh, I just saw this tweeted. Brian Rust, if this is his 30th birthday. You can't lose now. Yeah, you, you, no. can, you cannot lose on Brian Rust's 30th birthday. Also, Tristan Jari is in New York. He is doing some skating right now and facing more shots. So mm-hmm. I'm, I am I would like, again, I would very much like for this to end and then get um, the number one goalie back. And just overall, like, I, this is, I, I really want him back just because he needs to amend for what happened last year. Yeah, That's yeah. got to be in the back of his mind. He's probably kicking himself that he got hurt. Just before the playoffs started, he was obviously more than ready. You win this game tonight, you potentially get more time off, and then you bring him back for a series against one of those two teams, and then he can start to really write that redemption story that he was doing for a lot of the season. You know, he's someone that I I'm really curious to see, you know, how he does if he does get the chance, and the Penguins don't um, blow this. Mm-hmm. You're adding not just Tristan Jari, but also Ricard Raquel and yeah. hopefully Brian Dumlin back to a team that would have just beaten the Vezina winner in Igor Shesterkin. So yeah, yeah, hopefully they can take care of business on yeah. Brian Russ' 30th birthday. I mean, for Brian Russ, too, he's Mr. Elimination game. So, like, it's the perfect storm for him uh, to go out and have a bad game tonight. It's the first time they've had a chance to eliminate Hold on, let me go on 
Let me go on and place a bet right That's now. What are those Ryan betting Ryan. odds? Someone get <laughs> Anytime goal scorer. The first time they've had a chance to eliminate a team since Philly in 2018. And Brian Rust, yep, yeah, you're right. He is Mr. Elimination. It's almost like a mini Justin Williams um, <clears throat> kind of storyline. So this is – and it's his birthday? Oh, come on. I mean, you, you got to do it. Yeah, and it's his 30th too, so it's not like it's a minuscule birthday. Yeah, this is, you know, this has got to happen now. Yeah, I, I can see Smitty's over there like, all right, how many units am I dropping on this? <laughs> but nonetheless, uh, what is the biggest thing? I know the Pittsburgh Penguins have played very well in the first four games of the series, but what to you guys is the biggest thing they need to approve upon? Horwat, uh, we'll let you start because we haven't let you start at all yet. Oh, it's okay. I've been like collecting thoughts while everyone else talks. Uh, the biggest thing to improve? It's hard to say, but I guess I would say just keeping that defense tight in front of Louie because we are still playing with the third string goalie we have to remember this I, like I said he, he's making the proper saves he's taking full advantage of his big size but again he just looks a little sporadic in there and those, watching him make blocker saves with two hands like I have not literally I've not seen that since deck hockey it's the weirdest thing seeing on an NHL ice but he's making the saves but still you want to make sure he's not facing as many high danger opportunities so keeping the defense buttoned up in front of him has to be the biggest thing because for our forward core the top line does what it does you know hunters read off the stats already um those analytical numbers that i don't understand um and it seems like for what it's worth yeah they were kind of um uh, you know big important goals and big blowout ish games the bottom six has started producing jeff carter's scoring here evan rodriguez has found the back of the net a couple of times to everyone's surprise and it seems like if the bottom six can continue that sort of momentum, the scoring is not going to be an issue. Like I said, we don't we can outscore our problems. It looks like we don't want to. We would like to have some ability to uh, make saves. But if you're able to outscore your problems, that's still a win. And with a third string goalie in, take it any way you can. Uh, what I want to see, other than a Casper Kapanen goal, oh, I mean, he's, he's doing everything besides scoring. Please so if we can get that tonight, um, that'd be great. Uh, I want to see the Penguins actually killing penalties. If you know yes. what I'm, you, you guys know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Not just time expiring on the Rangers power play because that's what's happening right now. But the Penguins actually putting pressure on that power play, them clearing the puck. They're, the clears have just been so soft. They're going up the middle of the ice. They're not actually killing penalties. I, I don't think right now the Rangers are just running out of time on their power play. That's a better way of putting it, in my opinion. I want to see the Penguins actually aggressively on the PK if they have to even be in that situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I would agree with that, Smitty. You know, I've seen a lot of really poor clearing attempts on the PK and the Penguins have gotten pretty lucky that the Rangers are two for nine on the power mm-hmm. play in this series. And no, that's not because there's bias or anything like that, but um, it's, it, 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 there, there's just been a lot of really weak attempts on the PK. They're not being aggressive enough. They, they've kind of gotten lucky um, on a lot of these that the Rangers have not cashed in, but you know, again, you know, I, I want to, They've been doing everything really well so far, but I, I, yeah, I want to see them defend even better. You know, mm-hmm. this is 60 minutes elimination game. Go out there and defend like your life depends on it. Take away their transition game. Take away their rush-based offense. They, they, they like to go low to high a lot and look for the deflections, especially when Chris Kreider, of all people, is out there. Take that away. You play like you did those final nine minutes of game three. Most Those last 40 to 45 minutes of game four – you have a really good shot of winning this game. They held the Rangers to 24 shots against Louis Domingue. I honestly, I didn't even remember Louis Domingue was in net 
for the rest of that game just because he hardly saw the puck after that second goal. You know, that entire third period, I don't even think he faced a shot, to be honest with you. So, you know, you keep that up, keep the offensive pressure up, just, you know, everything that's been working, dial out that, you know, twice more. I really think that's the big thing I want to see from them tonight where, you know, they, they can be better. Horwat, you said don't allow high danger chances. The Penguins allowed one high danger chance at five on five in game four. Keep that energy up and uh, and I think you'll be pretty good. But uh, for me, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, it's the power play. I mean, it, it was better in game four, but you just need to continue to build because that's been the biggest issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins basically all season long, except for the last couple of weeks when everything was their biggest issue. But uh, to be completely honest, if that power play, and we, we mentioned Brian Rust, if that power play can get a goal tonight, would be very big. I'm not going to go as far as to say two because, you know, that's a, that's a very good game by the Penguins. But if I could get a power play goal tonight, I'll be happy with that performance. Let's finish it off with this. Just asking plain and simple, how do you see this game playing out tonight? Smitty, we'll let you start on this one. Ah, son of a... I don't want to be the first <laughs> I can one to start. Say I can start on this one. So that, that, that's perfectly <laughs> go, fine. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I think the Penguins are going to have to survive an early onslaught, and I think the Rangers might even score an early goal in this game to get the fans at MSG more raucous than they're already going to be at the beginning of the game. But if the Penguins can survive, even if they're down one to nothing, I think they have a really good opportunity to take this game just because they've been the better team at the end of the day this entire time. I think the Rangers are going to be chasing from the midway point of the game on, and I think the Penguins win this one 5-3 to three with an empty netter. You don't have to give a score prediction, but that's mine right there. 5-3 to three with an empty netter for the Pens. Mm, okay, now do I have to go? <laughs> now be, you can go. I still got to be the first one to say it. I think it's going 6. Uh, I think the Rangers win tonight. If we're going to put score predictions on it, I'll say 4-2. Um, I, I think that we do – I think the Penguins are going to put a ton of shots on Strasburg. I think that we see a similar – um, mindset there, and I think that we do see a lot of the same things from the Penguins. I just think that Shesterkin, I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to say Shesterkin has like that type of performance uh, that I was expecting in Game 4 and Game 5 now that he is back in front of MSG. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to bank on the side of there being a sixth game as well. I, At bare minimum, I bet Igor doesn't get pulled because it is going to be in front of MSG. He is going to have his legs back under him. Uh, if we win, it's going to be a close one. It's not going to be uh, I don't even think five goals will get scored. I think it genuinely might be a low-scoring game just for uh, the sake of MSG being the way it's going to be for tonight. Um, if we win, it'll be close. If we lose, it might be a blowout. Um, but I genuinely am banking more on a game six than us winning it. But uh, I'm confident in both of those answers. Yeah, so I, I haven't been confident, honestly, in the last two games going in. They won. I'm going to do that same thing tonight, and hopefully that is the case. Um, I was – it's funny. Going into this series, the last three years, I picked the Penguins to win this series. They did not. I said the Rangers in seven. So far, you know, that's still an option, but, you know, the Penguins, it's looking more likely that they may win, and, you know, I, I'll have to keep that going if they do win this series. I do think it also goes six. Um, I'm going to keep my pessimism um, going for this game just to make sure I don't get hurt and to see if it continues to work. Um, I think it's the Rangers will win a close one. I, I maybe I'll go three two. Um, I think Shesterkin does have a good game tonight. Um, he's gonna again, he's gonna be at home. MSG, it may not be as raucous as game one and two, and obviously it's a different story there. I know they're down three one, but it's still gonna be loud. He's gonna have the fans behind him. The Rangers are playing for pro they're playing for their season. 
They don't want to get embarrassed like they did in the last couple of games. I do think it goes six. And if it does go six, it will behoove the Penguins to make sure that it does not go back to New York and just close it out at home where your fans will be very loud. And, and you know, you, you, you don't want to leave it up to chance in a 50-50 game on Sunday. I'll, I'll say that. But um, my prediction tonight, I, I think the Rangers take it. Um, and it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be a close game. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hope it doesn't go six because my anxiety levels don't want it to go six. I hope it's a long playoff run, so I need to keep years on my life. But if it does, maybe I'll have to make my way up to the 412 to see that game. But nonetheless, uh, that is going to do it for this mega crossover episode of the Tip of the Iceberg, the Locked On Penguins podcast, and around the 412. Hunter Hodes, what do you have going on for Locked On Penguins podcast? And even though I'm sure everybody that listens to this podcast listens to the greatest podcast in Pittsburgh sports history, what do you got going on and where can the people find you? So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we do, I mean, obviously I do content on every weekday. Um, you can find the show on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. The YouTube, the, the YouTube audience has grown a ridiculous amount during the playoffs. I don't really know where that's coming from, but um, I guess everyone just wants content to listen to, to watch. Just because it's the playoff time and the Penguins, it's the first time they've won more than two playoff games in four years. Um, but um, for the next episode, I'll have a full game recap if they win. Maybe I'll chug a beer live. I'll think about it. But uh, <laughs> but the content is not going to sleep. Hopefully, you know, for the first time in the podcast history, it will be blessed with a long playoff run. And, you know, I can say the same for you all with your with your show and, of course, with Smitty. Um, with your show too. So yeah, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, you can follow me on Twitter, Hunter Hodes. And that's what's going on with the show. Well, the Virginia caravan might be making its way up on Friday. Then I guess we'll have to have to see what's going on. I will say this. If it is, if it somehow is penguins, hurricanes in round two, Raleigh is three hours from me. I was talking with my girlfriend. I think we will get tickets for a Penguins Hurricanes game game down in Raleigh. So we'll we'll see. Well, let's I'll just put that out there. Knock on wood. We'll have to see that, no doubt about it. Uh, Zachary Smitty Smith of the Around the Four One Two podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Him and Tyler Weeks covering every angle of Pittsburgh sports every single Monday. Smitty, what do you got going on at DK Pittsburgh Sports? Well, that's funny because actually next week we're going to be Wednesdays, not Mondays. Ooh, uh, big changes, baby. Yeah, big change. Uh, No, but yeah, uh, around the 412, that's our our Twitter handle, that's our YouTube. But our show actually goes up on the DK Pittsburgh Sports YouTube as well as anywhere, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, all that good stuff. Uh, we do, we basically plan out our show. If you even want to call it that about 15 minutes before we record. So I couldn't really tell you what you were going to be talking about on the next episode, other than the penguins, uh, advancing to the next round of the Stanley cup playoffs. Um, (laughs) This is legitimately a wood desk though. So we're good. Um, but I, I get to talk about the Penguins very minimally compared to the amount that you guys talk about, especially with, with Hunter doing it every single weekday. It's maybe like 20 minutes of our show. So seriously, guys, I can't thank you enough for, for giving me the opportunity to, to talk about the Penguins on a different platform and a lot more than I get the opportunity to talk about on our show. Well, both of you are always welcome on the tip of the iceberg whenever you want to be on because honestly, we don't even have to film these. We don't even have to record these. I just like talking to y'all. So uh, thank you so much for joining this special episode for those fans of the tip of the iceberg podcast we will have another podcast episode coming out tomorrow with reactions to tonight's game five and a preview of friday's game six that'll do it for this one have a good weekend pens fans
You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.